All right. I am so excited for our time together this morning because in our teaching time today, we're going to study a paradigm for belief, a blueprint for how to think through values and, and make choices that has absolutely changed my life. It's a model that sounds extremely simple, but it's quite profound and extremely effective. And the three words that we're going to talk through today, they've shaped my life. They have changed how I look at my faith, my parenting, my marriage, uh, my career, and identity. But first, let me tell you a story. In downtown Atlanta, Georgia, there is a 13-story apartment building that is absolutely gorgeous. It's stunning. The architect put a lot of time into the aesthetic choices that were made. The windows are expensive, they're double-paned, they're tinted to save energy and to prevent the rooms from getting too warm. Each floor is distinct, specially designed. The colors, the carpets, the artwork, they spared no expense to create this really unique artistic vision. On the roof, get this, they've got an infinity pool for all of the residents that overlooks the skyline of downtown Atlanta, not to mention high-end grills and, and cabanas for lounging. This building is incredible. And all of the tenants were lined up, and they were ready and excited to move in. But there's one little issue. It turned out to be not so little. You see, during construction, instead of fully grouting the bottom base plate in the foundation, the construction company just left wooden shims and then grouted around the perimeter to hide it. I didn't know what any of that meant, so I Googled it. And for reference, one bag of non-shrink grout costs $150. The job would have taken half an hour. But this company decided that that was a corner they were going to cut. And here's the problem. This beautiful building is actually sinking, like sinking into the ground. Floors above the third story show signs of major movement anytime there's wind. No one can live there until this is fixed. A team of engineers is brought in. They're, they're having to redo most of the work that's already been done. They're having to level and then lift every single story at the cost of $1.7 million. You've got a beautiful building, but it's sinking. So what good is it? All of those hours making design choices, none of that matters when a foundation isn't right. And, and this whole headache could have been avoided with 30 minutes of work and $150 spent on the foundation before spending time and attention on all of the other aspects. This summer, we've been studying the parables of Christ, and parables are stories that teach and reveal truth. And Jesus is the greatest teacher who has ever lived, and in three chapters in the book of Matthew, Jesus preaches what has to be the greatest sermon ever taught. It's usually referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and I'd like to encourage you, read through it sometime this week. It's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Today, what we're going to emphasize is the story that Jesus tells to end his sermon. In chapter 7, Jesus says this to the crowd. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on rock. Rain came down, streams rose, winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rain came down, streams rose, winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Two people build their homes. One builds a house on rock. It has a solid and stable foundation. A storm hits, and the house stays standing. The other builds a house on sand. Its foundation is weak. It's unsound. The same storm rolls in, and it takes the house with it. Now, some of Jesus' parables are enigmatic. He's even intentionally cryptic. He'll say things to the disciples like, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples seem to always be confused, and they'll ask Jesus, hey, could you explain this story to us because we don't get it. But not this one. Jesus is abundantly clear with this parable. He tells us everything we need to know. If you hear my words and do them, build your life upon them, then you're wise. That's a good foundation. Life may not be easy. Just because you're wise and on solid ground, storms will still happen, but you'll stay standing. On the other hand, Jesus says, if you hear my words and and you don't do them, build your life on anything else, you're a fool. Because the foundation is sand, and one day everything that you build will come crashing down. Jesus doesn't elaborate on these two houses. He doesn't tell us if they're ranch style or colonials. We don't know if they're three twos or four threes, if the stoves are gas or electric. But he tells us the most important aspect of the building it's the foundation. Because who cares how many bedrooms there are or how nice it looks if it's blown over by a storm? Without a solid foundation, you've got a building that's sinking. And what good is that? Jesus tells us we can live wisely or foolishly, and it depends on where we place our foundation. Because some storms are going to come. Harsh wind and rain, it is a part of life. So how do we remain standing? How do we follow Christ and live our lives in such a way as to ensure that everything doesn't just fall apart? And how do we know if the foundation that we've chosen is solid or if it's sinking? What we need is a paradigm or a model. What we need is a blueprint for how to think through life and faith and and the decisions that we make. We need a way to choose where to build our foundation and then from there how to build the rest of our lives. When I interviewed for a job here at Grace eight years ago, I sat on Dr. Cassidy's back porch, and he relayed to me a three-word paradigm for how Grace Covenant Church looks at life and, and does ministry. I was in seminary at the time, and I was amazed when he shared this with me because I hadn't heard anything like this before. It was very simple and significant. And this model has continued to come up in staff meetings and conversations with leaders. It's central enough to who we are that we still bring it up in interviews. And if this blueprint is essential for how we as a church live and operate and seek to glorify God, then the same is true for our individual lives as well. As I said, these three words, just three words, they've changed my life. And so let's look at this blueprint together today. How to build a strong foundation. Three words to shape 
how to build your life well. Opinion, belief, conviction. Opinion, belief, conviction. You can write these three words down in your bulletin on another piece of paper and write it this way. Opinion toward the top, belief in the middle, and then conviction down toward the bottom. Some of you may have heard this vernacular before, this vocabulary. It's part of our DNA as a church, and we would love for you to make it part of your vocabulary as well, not just here, but in your daily life. As we talk through this model today, we're going to continue to use this home construction language that Jesus taught with in Matthew chapter 7. Because all three categories, they have some value. Only one of them is worth building your entire life upon. If you want a solid foundation for life, make sure you build on the right one. So let's start today by looking at opinions. Opinions. A word to remember with opinions is have. Opinions are fun to have because the way that we cultivate opinions, it's mostly devoid of objectivity or reason. We like the things that we like. We don't like the things that we don't. It's personal preference. It's developed tastes. It's the way that you or your family tends to look at things. In fact, in, in some cases, opinions can even be fun to playfully disagree about, like which Disney movie is best. Do you prefer to watch The Office or an inferior TV show? <laughs> Where can you find the best tacos in Austin? Who's the second greatest basketball player of all time? Those are all opinions. We can disagree strongly about our opinions and then still get along great as friends or members of a family or members of a church because opinions, they really don't matter and they shouldn't cause division. In a house, opinions are like paint colors. They're light fixtures. They're what you furnish the home with. You can have a, an opinion and then you can change that opinion in the same day, especially over time. If you still have shag carpet in your house, it is okay to get rid of it. If you're married, you can and likely do have differences of opinion with your husband or wife. My wife prefers the beach. I'd rather go to Colorado. It's not a big deal. If you're a parent, you will run into so many differences of opinion. And dads, just know that your opinions on how to dress your child for Sunday, it's going to get overruled. And that's a good thing. It's okay. Let it go. Moms, you can understand that, hey, everyone doesn't necessarily have or has to have your opinion. We can have opinions in faith, too. Now, in faith, and this is important, opinions should be views or ideas that are not clearly taught in Scripture, that we as believers may legitimately differ. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy that the Bible, God's Word, is our source of truth. In building, it's, it's our level for teaching, rebuking, and training and becoming more like Christ in all of life. But there are things that the Bible may not refer or, or speak directly to. And so we need to understand that in the realm of faith, there may be more than one Christian view on an opinion-level topic. An example of this could be the style of worship that you enjoy. You might prefer a choir and, and hymns, and your teenager wants something a little louder with more drums that you just don't understand. And hey, you know what? That's great. Enjoy the differences because they're door handles. It's a lamp. It's furniture in the house. It's an opinion. And in the end, 
It doesn't and really shouldn't matter. It is not healthy for opinions to matter too much. Because do you know what you call a person who has a lot of opinions and builds their entire life on them? You call them opinionated. Everything becomes contentious because something that should be a paint color has become a foundation. If you want to build a foundation that's going to last, you got to build elsewhere. That's the first category in our blueprint. It's opinion. The second is belief. The word for opinion was have. Our word to remember for beliefs is hold. Hold. Because the topics that you hold in this area, they're less subjective. They're built on reason. In this category, in life and in faith, it should be the largest area of our blueprint because we have a lot of reasons to believe the things that we do. And those beliefs shape a lot of the decisions that we make. And there are two types of beliefs, independent of how much information we may have. There are important beliefs and there are unimportant beliefs. Whether or not they're important is not determined by how much data we have to back it up. The key is how tightly we hold onto the belief. And so you can have a lot of facts, you can have a lot of reasons, but it can still be an unimportant belief because it doesn't matter or you just don't care that much about it. I love the outdoors, and I have an affinity for outdoor gear and apparel. If my wife Kate would allow me, I would decorate our house like it was REI. It would look like that. My favorite outdoor brand is a company called Black Diamond. They make the best stuff. I personally love their climbing equipment and headlamps, and I believe that Black Diamond is the best outdoor company for a lot of reasons. I own their stuff, and it's proven reliable. I read outdoor and climbing magazines and their reviews. They tell me that the stuff is often winning gear of the year and that kind of stuff. The company's founder is a guy named Yvonne Chouinard. He's like the godfather of, of rock climbing and, and outdoor companies. A couple of the other companies he founded, uh, Patagonia and the North Face. So, yeah, I think he knows what he's doing. I trust him. I have my reasons to believe what I do, that Black Diamond is the best outdoor company in the world. My decisions reflect this belief. If you went into my garage and looked at my gear, theirs is the logo that you'd see most often. If they made hats, I'd wear one. Oh, wait, I found out this week that they do make hats, and so I bought one. And my wife is rolling her eyes right now, and I'm okay with that. Because do you know why? The belief is not important. I've got a ton of information, and I'd love to show you more. I have a lot of reasons to believe what I do, but the belief doesn't matter. Who really cares? It's an unimportant belief. But what about an important one? How about beliefs regarding career choice? Is this job worth taking or worth moving for? How about a belief around a financial habit or parenting decisions, like how do you spend your holidays or how do you discipline? Public school or private school or homeschool? How much do we put into the college fund? With beliefs, we do the work, you do the research, ask good questions, be in relationship with other believers, a ministry, a life group, a Bible study, gather the data, and then hold more tightly to these important beliefs. 
So many of our courses in our communities here at Grace are organized to help us with important beliefs. In each one of them, we'll ask a very important question. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about parenting or finances or singleness or marriage? And then here are some reasonable things to think and believe about it. And then here's how it's worked in our lives. And then we do our best to apply them. In faith and in the life of a church, there are beliefs that we may personally hold and yet still be in community with Christians who disagree. How can we do that? Because we keep it in the realm of beliefs, especially if, if they're less important, matters that are not central to the gospel. For instance, which translation of the Bible should we read from or use? Honestly, it often depends on who's teaching that week, or even the passage itself. New American Standard, English Standard, New International, to name a few, they're, those are they're good reasons for choosing the translation of the Bible that you're going to study from and, and read. And what we choose to put on the slides, it's the translation that we believe most effectively communicates what the original author intended. It's a belief, but we're not going to argue about it. How about spiritual gifts? That's a more important belief, isn't it? Yeah. And, and some churches and, and Christians may make the issue of spiritual gifts a major important belief or the most important belief or, or push it even further beyond that. For us at Grace, it's a belief. We search the scriptures. We study God's word to determine what we believe about it. And then we trust him with it and, and we leave it there. Is it important? Yes, but that's not what we're going to build our foundation on. Beliefs aren't light fixtures. They're the walls in your house. Some are load-bearing. They are much more important, and they need to be in the right place. But other walls, you can take a sledgehammer to it and knock it down to open up your floor plan. But you need to know which ones are which. One reason to distinguish between the two is so that we don't become argumentative. Too many opinions, and we're opinionated. We treat all beliefs as equal, they're all the same, and we become argumentative. And you know these people, trust me, you do. They hold too tightly. They don't differentiate between the things they believe that matter and the things that don't really matter. And so everything becomes a debate, and it is exhausting. So we need to know which ones are which, important or unimportant, but they're still ultimately not the foundation of your house. We have opinions, and we can change them because they're subjective. Our beliefs we should hold on to, some more tightly than others because we're basing them on reason and, and we're trying to remain objective. Let's talk about the third area in our blueprint. Let's finally get to the foundation. Conviction. Conviction. This final category, it's the smallest. This is what you're going to build the entire house on. And when it comes to conviction, you should only really have a few of these. In, few, in fact, as few as possible. Because what you're doing is you're staking everything upon it. You have opinions, you hold on to beliefs, and here's the major difference. 
You are held by your conviction. It owns you. It tells you how to live. It's the foundation that will determine how you build everything else, the rest of your life. And so why should we only have a few convictions? Why is conviction the foundation and and not beliefs, important beliefs? The truth is some destructive things can happen when you build an entire life on belief. Building on belief simply means that you've taken a belief and you've forced it to become a conviction. And that can happen over time. It can shift because we become emotionally attached to a belief. We become so passionate about a belief-level topic that we begin to call it a conviction. What we mean is that we care a lot about it, or that it's extremely important, or that we have a lot of reasons to believe it. But to call it a conviction means that you would build your entire life on that. You would stake everything on it, every single decision for you, for your family, for your future on that belief. Another way that we can take beliefs and and warp them into a conviction is by wrapping our entire identity into them. And, And we can hold on so tightly to some belief that it ends up becoming who you are. And and then you're defined by it. And so you can't think about it, you can't talk about it rationally, because that thing, there's too much at stake now. Your significance, your purpose, your identity. You see this all the time with athletes who will not let go of, of his or her athleticism, even after aging or injury, which are two pretty common storms in life. But they hold on to high school letter jackets and championship rings and stories of glory because they built their entire life on playing this game. But when it ends, and it always ends, when the knee goes out or they're a step or two slower, they don't know what to do. All is lost. All of life comes crashing down. We do the same thing with careers or job titles. We give so much value to a, a promotion or, or this uh, certain position, and then a storm of life comes through, and we don't have that thing anymore. And what happens? Everything falls because the foundation wasn't solid. It was sinking the entire time. Parents, we can be tempted to define our exes- existence or our success in life by how the kids turn out. And what does that do to a child, first of all? They're always in performance mode. They can't mess up at all. That's crazy, undue pressure. And then we, as a parent, we feel shame if he or she does slip up because our identity, our foundation is built on the shoulders of a child. And they're like Atlas under this, being crushed. But that's how a style of parenting or, or the belief that I must be the very best parent, that's how it ends up as a sinking conviction. Do you see how this may have happened in your life? Has a storm ever hit and it took way too much away from you? Where you felt lost and sinking and, and as if everything was crashing down? Perhaps belief became an identity, a conviction. 
the blueprint that you were building from, it, it wasn't correct. And, and so you placed your foundation on something that had no business bearing that much weight. And so how do we choose our convictions? Or rather, how do we allow ourselves to be held by the right conviction? What's a solid foundation look like? Jesus already told us in Matthew chapter 7 that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is wise. Building a house on the rock. Rain will come down, streams will rise, winds will blow and beat against that house, but it will not fall because it has its foundation on the rock. The person of Jesus Christ, that is the only solid foundation. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, when he's talking about conviction and what should be of utmost importance in life and in faith, he says this, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand, on which you have built a foundation. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, meaning this is conviction, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The doctrine of Jesus the Christ, that's conviction. Because if Jesus is not who he said he is, everything else falls apart. I'm not me, you're not you. Life is not built on something that's going to last if Jesus is not fully God, fully man, and if he did not reconcile us to the Father. Who Jesus is, his identity, and what he's done on our behalf. And then what Jesus says, the word of God, that's it. That's it. You want to build a solid foundation? That's where you build your life. Be held by that conviction. Everything else, let it be a belief or an opinion and, and then treat it that way. And, and allow other people to treat things that way. I began our time today by telling you that this paradigm, these three words have changed my life and, and it absolutely has. This blueprint has helped me make decisions and, and to choose what I'm going to build my life and my identity on. It helps me in, in areas like friendship. I went to and I love the University of Texas. And guess what? I actually have Aggie friends. I can do that. I know. Because our alma maters can affect our opinions during football season. Yeah, maybe it creeps into unimportant belief. That's okay. But it's not a conviction because my diploma is too flimsy to be a foundation. The opinion, belief, conviction, this blueprint, it allows me to better understand and, and even reconcile really difficult theology. Predestination or, or free will, old earth or, or new earth. In seminary, we used to have heated discussions about topics like that. I, I'm not proud to admit it, I avoided taking classes with certain people because I knew we disagreed, and I was like, I, I don't want to see that guy on Mondays. <laughs> My problem, I was making convictions out of things that were beliefs. And sure, they can be important beliefs. I can let them be a part of the structure of my house, but I don't need to build everything upon them. 
In my marriage, my wife and I, we use this language when we're talking about our values as a family and, and as we make decisions about our future. As, as we parent, we're finding out a lot of the beliefs that we used to hold very strongly, we should be a little more open-handed with because we're learning new information as we go along. A three-year-old will do that to you. It is like a hurricane blowing through the house. I'm sure a teenager will do it as well. Do you want to live a life that's built on a firm foundation? If and when a storm shows up, do you want to make sure that you remain standing? These three words could be the blueprint that helps you to do that. And so I want to ask you today to take some time, take 15 minutes, sometime between now and when your head hits the pillow, and, and write down a few things under each of these three categories. What are some of your favorite opinions? What are some unimportant beliefs, and, and which ones are very important to you? And then ask yourself, where's your foundation? What conviction is holding you that will not let you go? What are you living on? And then ask yourself, is this blueprint for life in the right order? Are, are you struggling through a storm right now because maybe things are misaligned or the foundation isn't as solid as you thought it was? Spend some time with God today. Look at the life that you're building and have built and ask him if something needs to change. Listen, have some fun opinions. Paint your house in a unique way. And you know, if you need to swap out a color here or there, go for it. It's not a big deal. It's just an opinion. With your beliefs, search the scriptures. Listen to wisdom. Find good reasons to hold the beliefs that you do. Make sure you don't believe something simply due to emotion or the way that you were raised. Let beliefs be the walls of your house. They can hold up a lot, but don't make them the base. If you want to build a life that lasts, find the strongest foundation possible. Build upon conviction. Jesus the Christ. Who he is and what he has done. Follow him and, and do what he says because he is the only sufficient foundation for living wisely and abundantly and for weathering the storms of life that are going to come. As we sang about earlier, he is our cornerstone, which means that he is worthy to build everything on. Will you please pray with me? God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you so much for loving us and, and while we were still sinners, sending Christ to die for us. God, we know we don't deserve it. God, but you chose to love us. You chose to redeem us and bring us back to you. God, we thank you for that. Help us, Father, to, to follow Christ through the storms of life, through all the everyday things that, that might trip us up. God, help us to fix our eyes on you and to follow you. God, we ask that we would glorify you in, in everything that we do today, this week, and for the rest of our lives. And God, we pray these things in your name. Amen.